recorded live from the mats of radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just hanging problem. out. What are you doing? Doing a podcast. <laughs> true we are we are doing a podcast <laughs> that's the literal hour uh, breaking news did you hear about mr mcgregor notorious no what happened he's uh under arrest for um indecent exposure and sexual harassment i am shocked just completely shocked you're the only one i believe someone such an upright citizen with no previous record would do something like that. Mm. Uh, officers who don't understand sarcasm, that was sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all alleged at this point. Alleged, of course. But well, he does have a, uh, uh, like a previous, or is this related to that, that incident? Where no, this is brand new. This is brand new. Crazy. He's, he's, you know, he's a, he's a very, very gifted fighter, but he is also, um, you know, a person who is not a good person. Hmm. not a good person. You know, like that's simple, simple as that, you know, of course I don't know him, you know, I, this is, but when you have so many run-ins with the law, obviously there's, you know, something going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it happened in France. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but he's on vacation with his fiance. Yeah, I know. And so. then he sexually assaulted another girl while <laughs> yeah. on vacation. Crazy. Oh, nice. Anyways, you, you... you know, you know, it's funny because um, the we talk about this so many times, but it's sort of like you know, um, traditional martial artists like Chris Romulo came on, a couple of the guys, and they said, you know, I don't like the modern MMA guys because these guys don't act with respect and honor and all those values you know, that we cherish. And I, I agree with him. But, you know, I guess MMA is just like life. And you have people who can, you know, um, you can respect. And then there's people who you can't respect. And you have to understand that some people glean wisdom from their life journey. And some people don't. And, you know, like I, I've had people who in the, the graduate, you know, uh, academic world, where I was like, wow, you know, I want, I want to just take a life advice from this person. You know, this person is a like a solid person. He, uh, his life has given him wisdom and something to impart on us. And then I've had professors like, I, I don't want to spend any more than time I have to with you because you're just an awful human being. Mm -hmm. And I think martial arts is exactly the same way as his business or anything, whatever. There are people who have dedicated their lives to certain pursuits. And in, in that, they've gleaned some really important wisdom about how to live your life in, in, in really meaningful ways. And then there's others who don't. And uh, McGregor is obviously someone who does it, you know. And, and, you know, he's developed some skill, obviously. Um, but he, it's not translatable. It's not, you know, the understanding of, of, of martial arts has not given him a wider understanding of the world or how to behave like anything other than uh, than an animal. You know, assuming these charges are correct and mm -hmm. yada, 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 you know. Sure. Let's cover our butts. Alleged yeah. everything. <laughs> Alleged. 
in legend, you know, uh, but he did. We know he wasn't a legend dolly that he threw. It was a yeah, that concrete was, dolly. That was true, true story there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what what are your, what are your thoughts on the on, on this? Do you think it'll impact his? Do you cut him or anything? Or no, it's going to make him a bigger draw. People like bad boys and the demographic for UFC. Uh, unfortunately, a good portion of them are probably criminals themselves. Um, so. It's it's going to endear him to his fans. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's funny because it's funny you should say that. But um, you know, it, it, as I understand it, the MMA demographic, um, uh, it actually tends to be like educated, like young to to like thirties white collar. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's not what you would think. You know, not I mean, obviously, like you know, people on the street and stuff like MMA too or whatever. But you'd be surprised at how it's like um, just a really popular among the the people who just like basically watch basketball. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I think people want to see a rule breaker sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, like we live vicariously through rule breakers. So even if you're just a generally decent guy, sometimes, and this is not a good thing, but we we like to see people who buck the system for their in, in ways that we are afraid to. And that's not a good thing necessarily, you know, in this case. Um, you know, um, so, but I think that's as well. Or, you know, like me, I will watch a Conor McGregor fight because I want to see him get the crap kicked out of him <laughs> and I want to see him retire. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, sure. I'll admit it. You know, there's, there's like, they're wanting to see the heel. There's that element, you know, and that's very strong too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think MMA as a whole has a different demographic, but I think UFC in particular plays to the lowest common denominator a lot of the times. You think so? I, that's interesting. Like MMA overall, and then the UFC, huh? I, you know, I um, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, uh, like what? I wonder what the demographic breakdowns would be for like one or Bellator mm-hmm. or you know UFC, uh, uh, you know, and split them and see what the difference is. Obviously, one is a very different market, and and they um, they don't tolerate uh, you know that kind of behavior. Right. So you have to act like a martial artist is supposed to act, and you you know you have to be cool. And um, if you don't, they'll cut you. So that yeah, I mean they're really trying to make it uh, true to the martial art um, yeah. uh, you know values sure. in, in the promotion. And, and, no, and nobody and knows what Bellator like, is. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody knows about Bellator because nobody watches it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a big Bellator fight last night. Yeah, and speaking Machi of Bellator. Lost, uh, he lost to um, to uh, a, a grappler who used to fight in the UFC, um, uh, Wonder Boy. I mean, um, the Wonder Bar guy, uh, well, Phil Davis. Uh, he, he has a move called the Wonder Bar. And uh, he's a wrestler who has a, a very interesting um, unorthodox submission game. And... Um, um, but yeah, he used to be in the UFC. I remember he fought uh, John Jones a long yeah. time ago, or, or shot. I forgot. Long, long time That's ago, big boat. And um, but he's in Bellator for a while. And of course, Machida was in Bellator, and they they had a decent fight. But you know, basically, it was uh, um, uh, Phil Davis controlling with grappling. You know, uh, and Machida now, as he's getting older, not being as fast having the fast feet, not having the fast reflexes, not having the ability to play the out game. And then, you know, 
when you're not, when you're a speed-based fighter and then you lose your speed, then what do you got? You know, like, that's hard. Um, and I'm not to say that much of a skill, obviously, but, you know, it's very bad at counter-punching and movement. And you can't do any of that when a guy's dragging you to the mat and picking you up and dragging you to the mat and picking you up and dragging you to the mat over and over again. And that was really the, the tail of the tape. So that's what happened. And uh, it just shows why um, it's so important to have a, um, an understanding of upper body wrestling just to, if you want to strike, if you want to strike. Yeah. Anyway, so that was it. But yeah, <laughs> but big news for Belter. Did you hear that they signed a deal with uh, CBS? So they're going to be on CBS now. Great. Yeah. Does so anybody watch it, CBS? definitely going to give them. The I'm big, sorry? big Bang Theory is the only thing I watch on CBS, so I don't know. Is that show still going on? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never watched an episode. I was just talking about <laughs> CBS the other day. All they have is Star Trek and Big Bang Theory, and that's all I know. Now they have Bellator, so they got three things now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Star Trek is on the paid one, which uh, I don't pay for, so yeah. it's a shame. It is a shame. So you just got done uh, watching a really long fight that ended really amazingly, right? You, you want to talk about your your twenty minute experience in hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't know, like some of my students know that I, I'm training G, and unfortunately, I got poked in the eye. So I had to stop like watching TV closely and, and this, I couldn't do any, any, any kind of training. It's, it's happening before a few times. And actually if you go back to the podcast in a year, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not serious, but I, I didn't watch the fights when they, they came out. Um, it was Overeem versus Sakai. And Sakai is a guy who uh, got his break from fighting the ultimate fighter. He's a heavyweight and he actually only lost once before this. He has a 15 to one record. Um, and they put him against Overeem, who obviously is coming off of some serious losses, and he lost to gruesomely to Rosenstruck. I don't think you guys you remember that one where his, his lip just got torn oh open. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! It was it was just gruesome. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, you, you Overeem's been in the business a long time. He's had better days, so they 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 matched it in a way that it makes sense. You know, I, I understand this is the way it works. You have a fighter, maybe on the downward trend and you have a fighter on the upward trend and you're going to see is the downtrend fighter going to move his way up or is the upward fighter going to take a spot. And, and that's legitimate. That's a legitimate, you know, match made. But it's also a little bit of a give me because Augusto Sakai just doesn't have the same level of skill as, as the top tier, you know, um, guys in, in the UFC in the heavyweight division. And, you know, that's just the, the thing about, the heavyweight division with John Jones saying he went to the heavyweight division. Um, they asked, um, she, I forgot who it was, but they asked, uh, one of the other guys in the heavyweight division, what do you, what do you, I think it was Nagano or not, it wasn't Nagano, I forgot. Then what do you think of John Jones moving to the heavyweight division? And the guy said, well, you know, he's fast and he has skill. And basically, I won't paraphrase it, but it was sort of like, he has a lot more skill than most people in the heavyweight division, so he'll probably do well if he just puts on 10 pounds of muscle. And, you know, basically he was saying that, you know, heavyweights are not that skilled. And that's not, that's not always true. You know, it's not always true, but it is often true. And, and the heavyweight division is a division that has the thinnest um, pool of technical fighters uh, in, the, in the male division, for sure. And, um, and you just have Augusto Sakai. It's like I was watching this fight just now, and you know he started out actually doing doing pretty good, but but his form is just not not sharp like it needs to be. 
And and but Olin also, you know, he he seems so much damaged. But um, and you know, okay, let me let me interrupt before I go to the fight. Do you know the history of Olin in terms of teams? Do you know how? Do you know the history, Matt? No, he's from like Amsterdam, right? That that area. Yeah, yeah. So 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 first he's obviously a kickboxer in Amsterdam, and I think for a while he was in the Golden Glory MMA team. But then he moved over to America, and for a while he was in one team, and then he was at Jackson Wink. And then he left Jack Link, and then he moved. Now he's moved over to, um, I believe it's American Top Team. It's a team in Florida. I'm pretty sure it's American Top Team. Um, but it's like um, he moved from team to team to team. And uh, he and and you know another one like that is um, um, uh, what's his name? The um, uh, I'm sorry. Rockhold. Rockhold too, yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that. I was thinking of the guy more in the heavyweight division. The, the um, he was Russian sambist. Um, he he, uh, uh, I, I forgot his name. You know, he's Russian, and then he was in Chicago, and then he was at Jack and Wink, his American Top Team. He moved all over the place. Um, he fought the door and almost beat him, but then lost. Um, ah, his name is not coming to me. You know, he he. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, it's like when you transfer teams. You know, a lot of times you're blaming your lack of success on your coach. You know, like, hey, um, I need a new look. And sometimes that's, that's, that's true. You maybe need some new partners, just mix it up a little bit, you know. But most of the time, your lack of success, if you're with a really good coach, is not the coach, it's you. It's you. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And, and, um, and you know, you perfect example of Luke Rockhold. You know, like, the guy's not losing because he's getting bad coaching at AKA. He's losing because he showboats, drops his hands and does stupid shit and is a little arrogant and doesn't fight a smart fight. Now, that's not the coach. That's you. That is you. And and the same with Ovim. There's just, like, some really fundamental flaws in what he does, especially in defense. And you could see that the fight that I saw the most clearly, and I mentioned it on the podcast many times, was his fight against Stipe. So, you know, Overeem comes from kickboxing, and he wears kickboxing gloves. So when you put your big kickboxing gloves in front of your head and shell up, you know, like, like Ali used to do, like boxers do, those boxing gloves become a very, very effective shield. You cannot do that with MMA gloves. You cannot. You cannot. They're too small. It doesn't work. But his basically what, instead of sticking and moving like Overeem should do, he punches. I mean, he's smooth sometimes. I'm not trying to say he's not skilled at all. He can't be a K1 champion without skill, you know. But he punches, and then he shells up. And in the first two rounds, Sakai, who's not even that good, you know, is not that good, is beating up because Ovi would punch, and then he would shell up, and Sakai would come in and throw flurries, and Ovi's like thinking that his shell would work. But it doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then he get hit. And he'd be like, oh, crap, that hurt. And then Sakai would feel on the offense and feel it and keep going, keep going. And let me tell you, Sakai won the first and the second rounds with just volume and striking. And Ovin was, it was not an exciting fight. It was not. But, you know, Sakai was smart. He's like, Ovin has reach, he has power. So the minute I can come in, I'm going to come in. And Ovin punches, then shells. So, of course, Sakai moved right in and stayed in that end zone and just started hitting and hitting where the reach doesn't really matter. 
And it, it was a smart strategy. Um, but then um, Obrey switched gears. And let me tell you, his background is, uh, you know, kick, Dutch kickboxing, like you said. But he is, in MMA at least, his, his ability to effectively grapple has given him a lot of wins. And I would say that, you know, his MMA grappling is kind of sometimes better than his MMA striking. Sometimes, you know. And in this case, he wasn't doing well. And in the third round, he shot a single leg, did a lat drop off that single drag almost, right? And then got to, got to the top position and then threw down some really serious ground and pound and wound up cutting open Sakai with a huge elbow. Huge. And, you know, because the, the heavyweights is over 260 pounds, you know, 263, you know, that weight behind that punch, that, that's tremendous, you know? And, then the fight went on and went on, and he kept doing that. He kept, you know, seeing the ground as an opportunity to score. And the fourth round, he took him around again. Actually, he did the same thing. He hit a single, but switched to a body lock, dragged him, did a lat drop, dragged him down, and did uh, what some people call the, um, the um, leg folding system. Some people, they call it um, the dope mount. So there's all these different names in jiu-jitsu. I call it the Rio Vieira passing system. So basically, you push the guy's knees, both knees to the floor. And so his knees are facing to the side. And then you thread one knee between the knees. So one of the guy's knees is going to be lying on top of uh, one of the sides, and the other one is going to be underneath your shin. And so it really controls him very effectively, and it's a way to control the guy and, and pass in, in, in jiu-jitsu. But it's also a really, really great way to start ground and pound. He started painting the legs. Punching, 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 punching. Then the round ended. But then the fifth round started. He did the same exact thing. And then Sakai just taking way too much damage. wasn't defending himself. Just eating punches, eating punches. And then the referee stopped it. So, um, you know, it was, it was a good example of, of, of some, some very good MMA jiu-jitsu, for sure. But uh, an example of not so good MMA striking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and definitely Sakai should have be defending the punches a little better too. You know, like uh, his his gr- game on the ground is is not that good. You know, like uh, in the beginning he was defending okay. He put his shin between over himself and tried to get up, but then he couldn't. He just couldn't get up. And then he was trying to attack from guard, but he couldn't get anything going because his grips were not really there. It didn't seem like he knew what he was doing. And um, it's very typical of a lot of big fighters is that they, or just a lot of fighters in general, you see this today, is that they're ignoring the guard. To them, the guard is just a place to stand up, to work, try to get to stand up. And of course, you should be able to stand up. The very first lesson of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was how to use guard to stand up. That's for sure, how to how to stand up. It was the first lesson of guard. I don't know what first lesson you're taking, but it's, it's absolutely technical stand-up is a huge, fundamental part of, you know, the beginning stages of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. But, if that's all you have, you're just a one-trick pony, and you're going to be in trouble. You have to be able to defend punches. You have to be able to stay offense. If somebody's really running from your offense, it's going to be that much easier to stand up. So, you know, Sakai didn't have any offense off his back. Wound up going a turtle, you know, on his knees and elbows, got punched more, went back to guard, got punched more, and then basically was kind of just like saved by the bell. In the fourth round, the fifth round, he's just all beaten up. The same thing happens again, and this time the ref just stops it. So, um, 
it, it was it was a shame to see such mistakes. And you know, I, of course, anybody steps in the wrong class is going to have tremendous respect for. But and and some people call it like you know like trash talking to to, to criticize. But honestly, you know, you're not gonna. You're, you're the, the important thing that I, I, you have to do as a martial artist is be critical of yourself and be critical of others so you can learn. You know, it's not we have to divorce our like emotions from it and I'm not saying it's the kind of bad guy or over the bad guy or whatever, but there's technical mistakes, there's reasons they lose it, you know, and, and we can learn from it. And my my thing is first, when you're defending conscious standing, the traditional boxing shell is is there is not that effective in, in you know, without the, the boxing gloves. And when you're defending punches on the ground, you know, you have to have create frames and distance or control on the bottom and be able to have some offense as well as just standing up. And of course, blocking punches too, you know? And, um, and neither of them had it. The, the fight was like, who's has the, the problems in defense and whose problem in defense is worse. So the guy in ground and bound defense was worse than, than, uh, than opening stand up punching defense. So that was, a, oh, it, was, it was kind of a good way to look at it. Like you won by lack of defense. So anyway, that's my, that's my two cents. And, 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 you know, um, it, it, it's, to me, it's a little bit of a shame to see guys who, um, like when when a when a martial arts looks like mm, you know like a jiu-jitsu guy looks at it and be like ah that wasn't so great. A striking coach would look at some of the striking and be like ah that's not so great. So I always like the the lighter weights where you can say oh a wrestling coach looks at that he's gonna say that's a great double. A jiu-jitsu coach is gonna look like that he's gonna say wow that's some really sharp jiu-jitsu. Or striking coach you know looks at it and says oh my gosh that's on point striking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons I, I love Henry Cejudo or some of the other guys, you know, in the lower weights. And they're just, everything they do is just beautiful and perfect. I wish you could see a little bit more of that in the heavyweights. But, um, you know, the, the thing is, if you're a heavyweight in the gym, a lot of times you have that fully kind of advantage where you're the biggest guy there and you use your size to bully. So you're not put too many, in too many situations where your size is irrelevant. You know, they can't get you out. Your size can get you out of trouble. Mm. But, of course, if someone's equal size or stronger, you're going to have a problem. And so uh, you have to train bad situations. What, what, you know, what a lot of people used to call fight going bad. You have to train these bad situations all the time so that you can be really sharp and use leverage and technique. And... Um, you know, at the end of the day, to me, that's what Elio Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is always about. It's about training the worst case and being so comfortable with the worst case that the worst case isn't the worst case anymore. And I don't see the rush to, 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 to make it to the UFC. You see so many fighters ignoring that, that when on offense, they're great. They're great on offense. They're fantastic. Not all, right? But a lot. But on defense, especially on defense on the ground, they're terrible, and they try to use their attributes to overcome that. But they eventually run to someone who, who can't. And I'll tell you something that my old teacher, Keegan Mashana, said. And I'll, I'll say, I, 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 I won't say like, to the names of the story, but a very, very famous world champion came into, into the Keegan Mashana Academy, a world champion in sports. And, and, and he's skilled. The guy's skilled. 
But he was a uh, uh, super heavyweight. He was um, very big. And at this point, Hugo Machado had already retired. We don't know Hugo Machado was you know, the champion in the jiu-jitsu world. And very, 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 very skilled. Considered the, the second most skilled guy of that generation, the first being Hicks and Gracie. And when Hicks and Gracie left, it was known that nobody was better than Hugo Machado. But Hugo Machado wasn't the biggest guy. Um, and, and also, this is much years later, years later, um, where he's out of shape, he's focused on his, you know, uh, movies and making movies and choreographing movies and things like that. And he's not training hard. He's a teacher. You know, he's retired, right? So this heavy world champion comes in, super heavy, and he just won the world championships like a few weeks before, two weeks before, something like that. So he just won. He just won. And, you know, top of his game. And the kid is like 20-something years old, muscles upon muscles upon muscles, like a freaking, you know, comic book superhero. Unbelievable. Like, he's not, he's not a big ball of fat or anything like that. He's very skilled. And then he's like, he can, he's rolling, and then Hegan comes in and spars with him. And retired Hegan just runs a clinic on <laughs> And, you know, I know a lot of people who listen to this and say, oh, I've heard that story before. That's the same story as Hickson and this and that. Everybody tells stories like, man, I was there. I, this I saw with my own eyes. I was there. I was right there. Okay? So this is not hearsay. This is not this. This is like, I won't say what year because they don't know what champion is, but it's in the early 2000s, you know, the early aughts, you know? And, um, and uh, Keegan just demolishes him, just demolishes him, just over and over and over again, just runs a clinic like you can't believe. And you're like, how is this retired guy able to do this? And so, I, you know, being a <laughs> maybe, you know, not as respectful as I should be, after the fact, after, you know, they, they stopped, I go to Master Keegan, I said, I went up to him and I said, look, no disrespect, but how did you do that? Like you're out of shape, you know. You're, you're in terms of you know height of competition. You're not in your best competition shape, um, and you're not you know training regularly because you have all these other requirements so as a teacher, as a as a you know, person in the movie industry, and all these other things that you're doing. All these happy work. So of course not in the gym like you used to be. I'm like, how did you do that? Listen to what he said. This is gold, and this is gold for anyone in the martial arts. He said, well, Renee, I look at the ABC. So A, I look at A. Does he have ABC fundamental down? If he has A down, I go to B. Go to B. Oh, he's got B down, I go to C. And these are some fundamentals I always look for. And then a lot of people today, instead of getting their ABCs, they'll miss D because they're not good at it, and then they use strength instead of actual technique. So it's like, it's like it's actually more common today than it used to be um, because people are not training, you know, they're, they're rushing, right? So if they go to A, if A is good, I'll go to B. I'll test out B. I'll test out C. Oh, D. Ah. D is not good. You're trying to use power there. So I go to D. I go to D. I go to D. And then I just destroy him. And he didn't say the word destroy because he was nicer. But, you know, like... Mm. That's it. I was like, whoa, that's so smart. And that's what you can see in the UFC or in other things today. Is that people are missing the fundamentals. They're missing it. And so the minute someone goes to D or C or, or F 
right? Boom. They have no answer except attributes. And then if the other guy is just as skilled, you are S-O-L. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what that stands for. <laughs> Something out of luck. <laughs> so that's, that's, my, that's, my, uh, that's my story from old days. And I'll never forget that. And I try to impart that on all my students all the time. Have to prepare for the bad situation. And you can't use your attributes to, uh, to overcome. You have to really try to get a technique. It makes anyway. sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Don't don't rely on your what is it? Don't rely on your laurels or some. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy, guys. That's what I got. Don't say. be lazy. Or you know, you know, like it's also I'll tell you, and this is really big now in, in the COVID times. Is like a lot of people because the academies are closed, they they're they're not training technique. They just meet up with a small group of guys, their friends, you know, obviously to keep it safe and all that. And, and then they, they just roll, they spar, you know, they, they do kickboxing sparring or they do, you know, jiu-jitsu sparring or whatever. You just spar. And of course that's important. Of course. But you have to drill your techniques too. How are you going to get better? You're not going to get, just get a better sparring because it's fine. You just do what you know. Mm. How do you get better? You start really, you know, doing what you don't know. But also importantly, you got to start in bad positions. You gotta start in really bad position and, you know, put your ego on the shelf and say, okay, I'm gonna lose 10 rounds straight because I put myself in this bad position. But by the 11th round, I have an answer. Maybe by the 12th, maybe by the 14th. And we, you know, all the time I was training in Brazil, and even not just in Brazil, but in Brazil, it was much more specific sparring than there was pre sparring. Meaning, okay, everybody's gonna start in this really terrible position and have to get out. And that's all we're gonna do. Just this one terrible position, and we just keep rewinding, keep rewinding, keep rewinding, or we're all gonna like get sucked in the choke, or we're all gonna like get taken down, or we're all gonna do this, and we just spend the entire day, sometimes the entire week, drilling that bad situation, and uh, that's really important, super important. Um, it's easy as a, as a fighter to do what you love and do what you know and do what you're comfortable with. It's hard to do the stuff you're bad at. But, you know, that's, again, the martial arts journey. And I think that's what makes you, you know, going back to what we were saying before, that's the difference between people who are real martial arts and people like Conor McGregor. You know, like, I don't think Conor McGregor spends so much time training like that. Um, I, you know, maybe he does. I don't know. But but he doesn't. The grind, like, grind humbles you. makes you not think too much of yourself because you've just taken so many losses and this mm-hmm. and that. So it just. I think when you go through the grind like that, you come out a little bit more martial art-like, you know, than, than just as it, because you can just avoid what you're bad at a lot of times, especially if you're the best athlete in the gym, you know, but when you don't avoid it, when you take that time to put your ego, and then you have to face loss over and over again, to crush, you know, go into the back locker room and just like look at your stuff before the shower and just like be like, oh my God, I just got tapped out. 500 times in you know an hour this is, this is terrible but then come back the next day and do it again and that's character that's heart that's grit that's determination those are those are the kind of character traits that i think are lead to becoming a better human being you know and and we, because your insecurities all those things kind of drop out you, you just become a, a better version of yourself you know and and the guy who don't do that always you know, exhibit the same arrogance, same problems. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but, you know, um, 
um, uh, uh, what's his name? The the the, the hardest puncher in, in the UFC, the, the the African guy who what's his name? Matt. Um, you know he's mm-hmm. uh then Nagano, yeah, 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 Nagano. Yeah, you know, like before his fight with Stipe, you know what he did? I think we talked about it, but he's like, I don't want to do any grappling. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you smoking? If you don't do any grappling, you're going to lose. And of course, he did. <laughs> it's ridiculous because, of course, he's not good at grappling. But then what happened? I got out grappled, right? It's just, it's just silly. Anyway, that's my coach two cents. Well, I'll, I'll shut up and let you talk. I don't have any money to give you. I don't have any sense. <laughs> uh, we have uh, a couple of events today. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed about Bellator. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about it. What? What happened? No, it's like the G stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, yeah, that's uh, uh, that was a bummer. That was a real bummer. We were supposed to maybe get a fight in Bellator, but, you know, due to all these kind of circumstances, it didn't happen. However, it might happen in the future, so, you know, fingers crossed. Um, and Bellator would be fantastic as a stepping stone, especially with the his old Stomping Grounds premiere close. Mm-hmm. And, but it was like, we really trained hard for this fight, and then it didn't happen. Uh, it was kind of a bit of a bummer, for sure. Well, I mean, the, now you're ready for the next thing. So the training is not in vain. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you know what the funny thing is? Because one of my students is living in Thailand right now. And, uh, well, he's an assistant teacher in our academy. His name's Raphael. And he um, he's a wonderful guy. And, I mean, the kid is just like family. And he's having the same problem where he has scheduled, like, you know, four different Muay Thai matches. And because of COVID, because of this, because of that, you know, they fell through. And, um, and, and I'll tell him this. And I, I told you the same thing. It's like, if would you do martial arts if the UFC didn't exist? You know, none of this didn't exist. Would you do? You know, there's no comp- comp- competitive. There's no tournaments. Mm-hmm. Would you do martial arts? And for the ma- majority of us, the answer would be, of course, yes. Well, of course. I, I mean, of course, because we love it. It's this wonderful journey, and absolutely, we want to test ourselves in the ring. But that's like the secondary thing. The first thing is that we train and get better and hone our skills. And the, the, the fight in the ring is the consequence of our training, but it is not the primary reason for our training. You know, um, no, I don't know anyone who started martial arts, who was, you know, successful, who started martial arts saying, I want to fight in the UFC only. I don't know anybody since that. I know people who come to my gym like that, but they <laughs> drop out very, very quickly. Um, most of the time they come to my gym and they start martial arts because they love it. And then they're like, Hey, maybe, maybe I'll fight. Or, you know, they've come to my gym and they've already trained for years and they want to jump in, but they didn't start for MMA. They started when they were kids because they love, you know, karate, they love boxing, they love wrestling and, and all that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was the enjoyment of the art and the challenge of the art in day to day. Um, uh, uh, you know, walking into the academy, walking to the wrestling room, walking to the dojo, the dojong, the cool, whatever, and just be trying to be your best self on that day. And I would say that's true for the majority of people out there listening to us who don't fight. Like, why do you train martial arts? What's, what's the point? So you can compete somebody? No, of course not. Maybe for self-defense, but that's not enough. 
has to be because you're trying to do something more. You're trying to test yourself. You're trying to keep yourself sharp. You're trying to, and of course, at the end of the day, because you enjoy it. And that's what I'm saying to G. I'm like, dude, if that wasn't there, we'd still be training. So don't sweat it. And, you know, honestly, he's pretty cool with that. You know, he, he, he's like, ah, I can eat now. <laughs> like, I can eat. Yeah, Heineken's like, and McDonald's. <laughs> like, nice. So you know that was that was it. That was, that was well, it. Yeah. So lining. it was you know it was like it would have been nice. Um, you know the thing is this is stupid. But I told I it's so stupid. You know it's so like external and dumb. But I told a, a couple people that you know including my mom that we're gonna be on TV. And, you know, it didn't happen. So I was like, oh, yeah, it didn't happen. And having to tell them we're not on TV is kind of like embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know, yeah. I, I have to get over myself. But, but uh, you know, that, that conversation is always like not this. Like, it, it's, it's worse than actual now fighting sometimes, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but I'm not even the one fighting, so I don't care. You know, like, it's my, my opinions and my feelings don't go with it. <laughs> I don't tell anybody good news until, like, after it's over. Because I'm nervous about that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I used to do. That's what I used to do when I was fighting. I would not tell anybody really yeah. um, uh, most of the time, and um, and and then just it was over. And then then I'd have the video. Yeah, like I was on TV. <laughs> you can yeah, yeah. you can watch it on YouTube now. Uh, I did see a familiar name on the uh, the Bellator event. Yes, yes. Pat Casey got yeah. our spot. Is, I was like, he got that yeah, spot. Man. That he took G spot. No, that no, was the I don't fight. Know. I don't know what's going on oh. in the internal thing. You know, definitely, definitely didn't take G. Isn't definitely. that the guy that G rocked? Yes, that is correct. Hmm. Yes, right. you know, yeah, yeah. So you know, but you know, it is also, um, you know, there's some problems on that side too. Not not Beltor on our side with you know um, being ready to fight instantly in 185. So you know, th- th- maybe that was. You know, that was also an issue too, for sure. And, and nobody's, Pat Casey's a wonderful person, wonderful guy. And, you know, the Beltar matchmaking, I'm sure, is very, very conscientious and fair and not trying to like, I'm not trying to like, you know, cast, you know, uh, any, any types sure. of versions or anything, you know, be critical of anybody in this, yeah. you know, it just, it just, it just happened, but it was. You're it a very was, nice, uh, you're a very nice guy, yeah. Renee. But his I, his my, opponent is, is quite, is quite tough. So, you know, his opponent is quite tough. So, um, we'll see, uh, we'll see how he does. I root for him because he's a great guy. Yeah. My opinions are not the opinions of Radical MMA, G or Renee, but I think that Pat Casey guy is kind of a dick. Uh, in the interviews that I saw before the G fight, and I think the Bellator made a mistake. I said it. It's my opinion, Matt Peters. Nobody agrees okay. with me, but that's fine. I love you. I love you, bro. <laughs> so uh, over to UFC, the new main yeah. event for the UFC fight night, Watterson versus Hill. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I worked with Ang- Angela Hill, very, 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 very small amount. She is such a wonderful person. And a wonderful, wonderful fighter, wonderful person, wonderful human being. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about her. Um, and my re- my relationship with her, I was very lucky to to have a a, a very very small part uh, in training her. And all, none of her success has anything to do with me at all. <laughs> Zero. Uh, but uh, but you know, I, I I had a little bit of training with her, and I was very impressed with her work ethic and who she is as a person. And um, and just how she carries herself. And you know, it's awesome that the first um, act 
African American uh, female uh, fight headliner, and it's it's um it's also uh, you know Asian American and African American uh, two headlining females headlining a, a, a UFC card for mm-hmm. women. Wow. So um, you know that it's, it's it's historic. It's historic. You know it's that representation, and they're both great fighters. Um, that being said, they both have you know they're coming off of things. It's actually really similar to Wilson and Belter. So you know. Michelle Waterson had a really tough fight against Joanna, and um, she just got her face rearranged. And I love Michelle Waterson. I'm a big fan of hers. I, I would love to see her the champion because not only is she uh, uh, Asian-American and a woman, but she's also a mom. Imagine if she were the champion. You have your first you know, UFC champion who was, who was a, a, a mom. That would be crazy. That would be amazing. But um, I'm a huge fan of hers. But she, she has really good skills. She has fantastic judo throws. And she has a really, really solid ground game from the top. Um, and, uh, and, and she's got, she, she's got good control on the ground. Um, but she struggled, even though she's known as a, more of a striker. And she struggles with girls who have more of a reach. And her, her fighting tends to be a little bit more linear. Then I think it should be. Um, Angie uh, is uh, a monster in striking. She she is a well, especially recently her output rate is phenomenal. And she fought Gadelia, Claudia Gadelia, and some people really thought she won that fight. I mean, you know, they, they, she lost, but um, there there are a lot of people who said that was a bad decision. I I personally did have that fight with Gadelia close, but it was close. And Angie's output was insane. It was insane. And even to the very end, it was, it was, she, that, that is one thing. She is a machine in terms of her dedication to, to her conditioning. And, um, her, her power of punching is, is, is really good. So you're talking about someone, but she has problems in that even, even to this day, when it comes to, you know, fighting off her back on the ground, um, Fighting, takedown defense is much better, much, much better. But she's, you know, when she gets taken down, she struggles, you know. And I would say the issue with a lot of her fights was, um, you know, uh, not, not doing as much ground as, as she should. Again, like the same thing I was saying is like training those worst case scenarios over and over and over again, really putting the time in. And it's hard because, you know, you, it's not an easy thing for fighters because they're like, hey, I want to fight. I want to get to Bellator. I want to get to Invicta. I want to get to the UFC. I want to get to one. But I don't quite have this element of my game set yet, but I still want to fight. So, hey, let's roll the dice. Let's try not to go there. That's kind of like how a lot of MMA fighters are. And if you're really, really strong like Mangano, you know, you can you can kind of get away with that until you don't. And, um, you know, Angie, Angie's... Um, She's, she's strong in her weight class too, so she she's been getting better at the takedown defense. Mm-hmm. And and you know honestly, you know I, I think some of her ground game is, is, is improved a lot too. But she still has just some work to do there. I, I, I haven't followed her recently, but I remember hearing a while ago that she was really putting a lot of time into her grappling. So I hope uh, I hope she comes out uh, you know again. But um, Dan Hardy had a, a really good breakdown of this fight. Did you see it? Did you see Dan Hardy's breakdown of this fight? No. Yeah, so, you know, Dan Hardy is just an eye of a master. And he said, you know, 
Michelle Waterston has kind of like, you know, kind of like, um, you know, very g- good when she's orthodox. She has a good little snappy karate kick when she's southpaw. She does the the Winkle John, you know, sound or you want to call it deep tech or you want to call it the Sampani. The same thing Whitaker and John Jones and Holly Holm do, and she's very good at that. So on that on outside, she's good. A little bit closer, and and then past that distance, you have um, uh, Water. Uh, Waterson is a little bit weaker in in terms of like when she's in that longer punching range, and um, that's where your Georgia shine, and that's also I think where um, where Angie can shine too. And 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 he he said the same thing for sure. He's like in that longer punching range. Um, is, is where Michelle Waterson is going to have problems. But in the tighter range, if Michelle can take it tighter, then she can go for grappling. And that's, that's I think, where it is. So super close. Absolutely no question. Waterson has the advantage. Um, middle distance, um, Angie, Angela Hill has the advantage. Now, in the far distance, Dan Hardy said that, um, that, uh, um, Michelle Waterson had a distance, but you know, as also working with Angela Hill, I could tell you that her her Muay Thai kicks are extraordinarily effective. So I would say in that distance, it's even Steven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would actually, depending on who gets the angle, I would say um, it, would, it would be a toss up. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily give the, the kicking range to Michelle Waterson. I would not do that. On the ground, top position or bottom position, anywhere, Michelle Waterson, absolutely 100%, uh, according to, you know, what we've seen so far, is, is a much stronger fighter. So that, that's kind of how I, how I look at the fight. Have you, you've seen them both fight. I, I know you've yeah. seen, uh, uh, what, what, what's your take? I, um, I think, I think they're both obviously evenly matched and skilled and, 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 I think that it'll be an amazing fight, and I'm glad it's it's been pushed to the main event. Um, they both deserve to be spotlight. Um, I am gonna pick Hill. I, I think that she's been on quite a streak, and she's doing really well. And she's just got a lot of. I don't know. I'm, I'm more kind of like a heart kind of guy. I think heart's gonna push you a little bit further, and I just see that she's just got a lot of hunger. Not to say that that Waterson doesn't. Um, but I just, I feel like, uh, Angela Hill's going to pull out this one. I think it'll go, I think it'll go the whole, it'll go to the distance though. Decision. Yeah. You know, you, when it comes to heart, I do not disagree. I mean, Angie, Angie is all heart. She is a ball of massive toughness and, uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I watched her in the, the, the going up in Muay Thai and she, she's just, she's a machine. She doesn't stop. Um, she doesn't, said, she doesn't answer DMs though. I've, I've messaged her multiple I'm times. Sorry. She doesn't answer DMs on Instagram. She won't, she won't answer when I ask <laughs> her to be on our show. Okay, I said, come on, be on, be on the martial culture podcast. Now, you know, you have to deal with us peons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's too big for us. I'll get her something. She's New York based, right? Uh, She's in New York. I'm sorry. She's in New York City. No, not anymore. Not anymore. No, hmm. no. no. Uh, she um, was in New York for a long time, uh, but then moved 
believe it was to North Carolina for a short time, and then she moved out to San Diego, and she's with uh, Alliance MMA with um, with um, uh, what's his name, uh, Dominic Cruz's team out there, you know, and, and uh, uh, Brandon Vera and all, all the guys from Alliance MMA who yeah. fight out of that. Well, then I'm switching. I'm going to Watterson then. Forget forget Hill. I'm just kidding. No. Do you want to put? Yeah. My, do you want? Are we putting <laughs> any like any? Are we putting any terms on this? Are we picking people? You're gonna, you're gonna oh, yeah. okay, shock I'll pick, me or I'll something. Pick Watterson. I'll pick Watterson just to make it interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, but if you think is actually, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. I don't. If Watterson fights a smart fight, she could win. She has the tools to win. Mm-hmm. I absolutely she does. I think she has the tools to win. But this is what she should do. She should have to mix up her takedowns with her striking without necessarily wanting to take Angela Hill down. So what I mean is like, you know, shoot, disengage, punch, shoot, disengage, punch, shoot, disengage, punch. But that takes a lot of intense cardio. Intense. It's a very hard strategy, cardiovascular, strictly speaking. But then when when you get down, then then she can she can kind of like, you know, do her thing on the ground. Um, there's no question on the ground that she has a significant advantage. The problem with Michelle Watterson is a lot of times she goes for judo throws, right? And not that they're wrong, um, but you're dealing with a, and she, she, she like a big hip throw. She likes the, her big uh, Taiyatoshi hip throw, which is like where you grab, in, this, in her case, she grabs around the person's head and then she kind of flips them over her hip and leg at the same time, right? And they're very common judo throw, right? And that's kind of like her, her bread and butter throw. And she gets it all a lot, but it's going to be hard against Andy, who's significantly taller. I mean, the body type is not ideal for that kind of like reaching over the head. And Michelle Watson is a bit shorter, and she doesn't have as much reach. So to get there is harder. And she doesn't shoot doubles and singles and lower fight, 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 leg, leg attacks as much. You know, you know what she reminds me of that in the way she clinches and fights? She reminds me a lot of Ronda Rousey. Where, where she'll go for the head control and then she'll go for the hip throw and, or she'll go from, from, from the head control to something else, right? Versus going for the lower legs. And Ronda Rousey, the reason she didn't go for the lower legs is because she had a knee injury and, and she couldn't, she actually had a very serious knee injury. She couldn't change levels. Um, she just couldn't do it. So she never learned to wrestle, wrestle, like let lower body wrestle. And as you know, lower body wrestling is really important. And we do with someone who has long legs. If you look at Angela Hill's body, she's very, like, a lot of leg. She's got a lot of leg. So that's why her kicks are dangerous, too, you know? And um, and so, but when you're trying to take someone down who's got a lot of leg, you know, hip throws are not always the best option, right? They're not they're not necessarily wrong, but you you, you have to, without the key, it's, it's much harder. And... Um, trips are easier and, uh, and, and also single leg takedowns. So when you're doing someone who's a bit taller, the, the, the thing you want to do is make them go off balance as much as they can. And that way their height is utilized against them. So, you know, you think the taller the tower is, the more you tilt it to the side and it bounces off, 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 the more the tower is going to be unstable, right? If a shorter, shorter stump is tilted to the side, it doesn't really doesn't really affect it, you know, kind of thing like that. So you have to off down taller people. And the easiest way to do that is, uh, is by going for one leg and then manipulating it on one leg and, and then working your trips from there. And I, I think that's really what the key to what Waterson should do 
and really try to take Angie down, ground and pound her, let her get up, punch her, take her down again, punch her, take her down again. Kind of do like a, almost like a Khabib strategy, but instead of the body lock, go for the singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, she doesn't really do that. I think she's going to be linear. She's going to try to kick. And she's also going to try to strike with Angie, which would be a bad strategy. So I think you're, you know, it's just like, it's like she's so skilled, but it seems like she's not, you know, deploying those skills in ways that would maximize their advantages, right? And I, I see that a lot from the guys from Jackson Wink lately. Obviously, we have a lot of good fighters. But, um, you know, I don't know if you know the, what happened with Jackson Wink. Um, basically, Jackson has stepped away for a while. He's kind of burnt out. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, so he kind of stepped away, right? So it's all Winklejohn, who is a phenomenal striking coach. There's no question. But he doesn't really have the same level of understanding of the, the deep intricacies of grappling. So a lot of times he puts them through, and I've seen it, he puts them through like, you know, kind of like straight kickboxing workouts and or kickboxing training, right? Not workouts, but you know, like, like pad work and things like that, mm-hmm. which is not wrong. But the thing is little by little, you, you forget the, how to time your shots with your strikes. And I think I see that um, that they they, they 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 become like MMA strikers rather than MMA fighters, and um, you can see that a lot. Like uh, um, particularly with Holly Holm, and and lately with John Jones. Like when was the last time you saw John Jones throw a takedown? Like never, you know. And uh, so. It's a, it's a problem. You know, how your coach is going to be how you fight. So your coach has to constantly integrate. If you, you know, the mixing the arts is the best way to keep people off their toes and confused. And, you know, I don't, she'll do that that much. I just, I just don't. So, um, you know, uh, let's see. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. But I would, I would still think that given the grappling superiority, Michelle, if she uses it, will have an advantage. So I'll take that bet. And then, uh, and what's your, what's, what's, what are the terms? <laughs> uh, no damage that lasts. No scars. Don't leave any scars. <laughs> don't leave any scars. Oh, I could do tons of things that don't leave scars. Oh my God. You gotta do, what do you want to do to pick? My pick? Uh, well, I yeah. mean. What do, you, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want me to give to you? Or do you, like, if you win? Uh... Man, it's been so long since I've had a, a bubble tea, since you're not around anymore. Yeah, oh, right, right. We haven't had bubble tea in a long time. So, I just had a delicious one at home. Uh, I will get winter buys tea. tea for the other? Absolutely. Right. Well, we, oh, come on. We can't, we can't do something, like, uh, interesting, like a, <laughs> like a taser or a... Oh, did did, nice did, you, did we ever get whipped with that 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 uh, self defense whip that I, I had? I did. You whipped me multiple times without my permission. I did, <laughs> I did not give consent. <laughs> but you didn't do it as hard as you could, obviously, because you that would hurt. But that thing really hurts, though, right? It does. Yeah. <laughs> well, really you, you got new stuff. You got like brass knuckles or nunchucks or something. I, you know, you know, I was I was going to buy. A, a new one, you know, so, so the winner gets to use, I'll, I won't even tell you what it is, but the winner gets to use the new self-defense tool. <gasps> Teaser. I like on it. the other person. I like it. Okay. How's that? 
All right. Well, okay. it's, it's it's pending wife's approval. Uh, I will agree to. <laughs> Why she won't approve? <laughs> she won't approve. We already know she won't like it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll agree to it. Don't, Just no, don't, don't tell her. <laughs> keep it quiet. All right. So, All right. so yeah, got, no. Um, I'll take Hill. You take Waterson, and then uh, we'll see how that plays out in the next couple hours. Actually, I'll put this up. Uh, yeah, it's gonna start soon. Right away. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And 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 again, it's it's a historic thing uh, for women's MMA and also just representation um, for female athletes of color. You know, yeah. it's like a headliner with two two uh, persons of color um, headlining a UFC main event. That's fantastic. You know, yeah. um, and uh, and and Angie said something in an interview where she has said really understood that she's become a role model for African American female athletes, and uh, and she's really embraced that role. In, in a in a way that is you know is meaningful to those athletes and that that's a wonderful thing it just shows her amazing depth of of you know character and understanding of social responsibility and and just you know seeing her herself in a larger context and and being part of a a movement uh, in society that's positive you know yeah well I'm yeah. looking forward to watching it and um, I'm sure you'll be texting me when I lose to. Uh... <laughs> Probably I don't know, so. you know, like, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. I have never won, we'll I don't see, think, we'll see. So. You know, and, and, and like I said, it's a really good, good matchup, right? Like, a lot of people are saying, oh, why are they matchup? But this is perfect. So, uh, Waterson lost to Ioana, and is sort of on their way down from the number one contender spot, you know, they're, they're, they're that kind of, like, you know, level, and Angela's lost some controversial fights, but really has, has fought a lot this year. I mean, she's has fought so much. And and she's on an upward trajectory, and the only losses you have are, like I said, somewhat controversial and against high-level opposition. So she's on her way up. So you have one person slightly on her way down, one person slightly on her way up. So it's naturally neat to see where the trajectory goes. Does Hill move higher, or does Waterson bounce back and move back up into the you know the top five? And uh, so in terms of matchmaking, I think it's really fair. Um, they're interesting because, like I said, they both have things that they do very well, but they both have, you know, kind of like uh, flaws. You know, if Waterson stays in the punching range and fights linear, she'll get picked apart. If Angie uh, does the takedowns well and gets thrown on the ground, she's going to get tapped out. She's going to get really big choke, you know, most likely. You know, um, that's kind of like, you know, what she taps to, you know, the things she gets caught with. Um, Armors and bring neck jokes. So, um, but I think, um, I think what, you know, what, what was good, good possibility of enhancing, you know, happening. And I, I would say, I, I think Waterson by rear naked choke. That, that's my prediction. Round, is it a five round fight or three rounds? It's five rounds, right? Um, that's a good question. Are they going yeah, for because like a lot of times the headline fights get five rounds even if they're not a title. Mm hmm. Hmm. And this, it's a good question. Was will the longer flight fight pay play to Hill strengths or to Waterson? It's like I think in the fourth round, if it, if there is another round, it's like man, that cardio is going to be absolutely essential. You know, like especially the power endurance. You know, not just not just being able to cardiovascular, but being able to pull those takedowns off over and over and over again um, or the ability to, to move and, you know, kind of stay in that punching range um, for Hill. 
you know, and, and stay fresh. Um, that, that's gonna, this is gonna be huge. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll, yeah. We will see. It's five rounds. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Five rounds, huh? yeah. All right. And, well, and, and, and Waterson does have the reach disadvantage, you know? So, so she, yeah, the punching, if it becomes a punching fight, you know, um, it's just, it'll be Joanna Waterson all over again, you know? Um, that, that's where Angie really shines. Um, but all she has to, Waterson has to move a little further in and really look for those takedowns, especially like, like I said, with, with Overeem, instead of shelling, if you get hit, go for a shot, go for a shot, go for a shot, boom, boom, boom. Keep, you know, keep the, keep the other person on her toes. And, you know, when, when that striker is afraid to get taken down, they do scared striker syndrome. So they drop their hands a little bit and then, then you can outbox them, right? Because they're like so worried about getting taken down, their hands drop and then you just throw a bomb at their face. So, um, that that's how I play it. You know, if if the fight if the fight is cardio is super important, and um, for Waterson she's got to grapple all the time. At least keep the threat of grappling up always, always, always. And then she'll either take it to the ground or she'll make Angie drop her hands. Angie's got to stay in that punch range, defend the takedowns, throw elbows when it gets close, and disengage, not get taken to the floor, and um, and then she, then she can maybe get a win. Well, let's keep our eyes on uh, on this fight, and we'll uh, yeah. we'll see how it shakes out. Fantastic! All right, um, thank you, sir. Okay, no, thank you. And um, uh, I, you know, we had Professor John Will on uh, on um, you know, and and uh, I posted uh, uh, you know about his book, and we talked about the last one. I posted again; it's Rogue Black Belt, and it's on Amazon, and it's absolutely. I think such a great read. They're three books. They're really cheap. You can buy all three and they're amazing, especially the, you know, the, the, his journey from Indonesia to India, to Japan, to um, Brazil, and then to the U S and competing in all different venues and styles and uh, watching that, that play out. Um, unbelievable life journey. And, uh, if you're a martial artist and want to read something in this COVID times, I highly recommend it. But, um, uh, I'll have another book recommendation for the, the next week, next week, next one. Okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. Thanks everybody for cool. listening. We'll see you Thank next you. week. See you next week. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.